Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, May 2nd. We have just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count that takes you up to the next biblical feast, Shavuot, also known as Pentecost. This 50-day countdown to Shavuot is known as the counting of the Omer, the giving of the Torah, happened at Shavuot exactly 50 days after the children of Israel left Egypt. A few thousand years later, on the exact same day, Shavuot, Yeshua's followers gathered in the upper room for a prayer meeting. On Shavuot, also known as Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out in great power with mighty wind and tongues of flames. So, on Shavuot, we have the giving of the Torah written on tablets of stone, and then a few thousand years later, the Torah was written upon hearts of flesh, as it is written in Ezekiel 36, verses 25-27. to Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. The counting of the Omer begins on the second night of Passover. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at sundown on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer and speaking the blessing, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kidshanu mitzvotav zidvanu al-sefirat ha-omer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, Sovereign of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad Laomer. Today is the 16th day of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Kedoshim, and it means holy. Leviticus 19, 10-20 It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am Yahweh your Elohim. 
Do not steal. Do not deceive or cheat one another. Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. Do not insult the deaf or cause the blind to stumble. You must fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You must obey all my decrees. Do not mate two different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two different kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven from two different kinds of thread. If a man has sex with a slave girl whose freedom has never been purchased, but who is committed to become another man's wife, he must pay full compensation to her master. But since she is not a free woman, neither the man nor the woman will be put to death. Judges 15, 1-16, Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson said, This time I cannot be blamed for everything I am going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught three hundred foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this? the Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, Why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, We've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So three thousand men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Elam. They said to Samson, Don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. But the men of Judah told him, We have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, but promise that you won't kill me yourselves. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. 
So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed one thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey I've killed a thousand men. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the Spring of the One Who Cried Out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. Samson judged Israel for twenty years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gate. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, When the light of morning comes, we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Some time later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong, and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you one thousand one hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong, and what it would take to tie you up securely. Samson replied, If I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings, and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it is burned by a fire. So the secret of his strength was not yet discovered. Afterward, Delilah said to him, You've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, If I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before, and again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Then Delilah said, You've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric.
Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Then Delilah pouted, How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. The Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god, Dagon. They said, Our god has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, Our god has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Later, his brothers and other relatives went down to get his body. They took him back home and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael, where his father Manoah was buried. Samson had judged Israel for twenty years. John 2, 1-25 The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Yeshua's mother was there, and Yeshua and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Yeshua's mother told him 
They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Yeshua replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold twenty to thirty gallons. Yeshua told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Yeshua revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Yeshua went to Jerusalem. In the temple area he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Yeshua made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then, going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miracle to prove it. All right, Yeshua replied, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken forty-six years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Yeshua said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Yeshua had said. Because of the miraculous signs that Yeshua did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Yeshua didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Psalm 103, 1-22 Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. 
He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. His salvation extends to the children's children, of those who are faithful to His covenant, of those who obey His commands. The Lord has made the heavens His throne, and from there He rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out His plans, listening for each of His commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve Him and do His will. Praise the Lord, everything He has created, everything in all His kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Proverbs 14, 17-19 Short-tempered people do foolish things, and schemers are hated. Simpletons are clothed with foolishness, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Evil people will bow before good people. The wicked will bow at the gates of the godly. I want to speak to you today from Psalm 103, and there are some verses I would like to read and then expand upon it. It's Psalm 103, starting in verse 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us, as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. I'll read verse 13 also. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. So, As I think about, reflect on, and meditate upon the nature and the character of our Father, it is such gratitude, incredible gratitude in my heart for His character, for His nature. Um, I'm going to speak from the heart today and just share a little bit of some personal things and how this applies in my own life. And hopefully that you'll see an application in your own life as well. So the last couple of months have been very challenging for me. Um, My daughter is coming out of a very abusive marriage and the divorce became final in the first part of March. 
And she was living in an apartment where the rent was extremely expensive. It was subsidized for six months and then it went up to the full market rate. Very, very expensive. And I was coming to the end of my lease for my apartment and she begged me, please move in with me and help me with the rent. I can't afford this rent. She had two more months to go, the month of March and the month of April. So I did that. I put all of my belongings in storage at the end of February and moved into the apartment with her for March and April and basically was living out of a suitcase for two months. We began to look for another place to live um, that would be more adequate and suitable for our families um, in the merging of our households. And as we looked for renting a place here in uh, the Portland metro area, everything is just incredibly expensive. It was very, very high rent for really ratty, run-down apartments. And so I said, hey, why don't we just look at buying something? So she was owed a lump sum from the marriage because there was a home that they bought together and there was equity in the home. And so the lump sum was a significant amount of money. but. Um, the ex was being very tight-fisted about it. So we began to step out and look out, step out in faith, and we began to look for a place to, to buy that we could afford. And we found a beautiful little manufactured home on the Clackamas River, out in the rural area, but only 15 minutes away from the ex for the child visits back and forth, and only 15 minutes away from my granddaughter's charter school that she attends. So the location was perfect. The price was right. And so we stepped out in faith and I took a cash advance on my credit card and put some money down as earnest money and said, we want this house. And we signed the papers. But then there was so much warfare, tremendous spiritual warfare um, for all of this to come together, for all the pieces to come together. First, there was the warfare about this lump sum. Technically, the marriage was over, the divorce was final, but he had up to 90 days to release this money into her hands. And, you know, all the way into June, he could wait till June and delay, delay, delay. So we began to really pray. And we were hoping that we weren't going to have to be homeless or go find a uh, rundown apartment and pay Uku money in rent. So finally, the lump sum came forth, and he cooperated, and God softened his heart. Then we had to apply to get into the mobile home park, and they had stringent requirements. They do a credit check, a criminal background check, um, make sure that you know, you're going to be good tenants and have good references with your previous landlords. And another hurdle happened. Um, my previous landlord wasn't available and wasn't answering the phone and wasn't getting back to the new park manager. And so he kind of gave up and said, uh, would you please reach out to this person? And here's the reference form that the landlord needs to fill out. And again, I tried calling and there was just nobody answering the phone. So I tried calling the main headquarters and uh, found out what the email address was and emailed the landlord. And finally, after two weeks, the landlord got back to the park manager and filled out the form and got the information to him. So we passed that hurdle. 
Then there was all the stress of beginning to pack up an apartment, and I think I purchased 70 boxes and began to just pack up clothing and toys and blankets and dishes and canned food and um, every, all 70 boxes were completely filled with lids and then taped shut and labeled. And that took time. And, and the stress, as you can imagine, was very high. And quite honestly, there were times when my daughter and I were like two clashing bumper cars clashing into each other. And there were times when she would say things that were unkind and I would say things that were unkind and we were not very nice to each other. And if I were God looking down on the whole situation, I don't know if I would have blessed the, the situation or put out some favor and blessing because it's like, you know, you don't deserve, <laughs> you don't deserve to have this blessing because, you know, you're not treating each other right. So then it came time to close. And we were going to close on the 14th, a Thursday, April the 14th, and it was delayed by one day. The cashier's check came through, the funds were available, and, and so instead we closed on Friday, April the 15th, the day leading into Passover. And all I can say is that that was God. He orchestrated all of that, and his timing was perfect. So then that night, we kept a Passover Seder, and it was a simple one. We did it at home, and it was very kid-friendly. I had a plastic locust and a plastic um, bug to represent the different plagues that uh, the children of Israel went through. We had our Passover Seder, and it was short, very short, because the two-and-a-half-year-old little boy uh, couldn't sit still for very long, and he was pulling at things. So it was a short Passover, but we did keep it. And and I, I looked at it and I thought to myself, wow, my daughter is literally living out the Passover message in her life. She's leaving and escaping a cruel, abusive marriage. She's leaving Egypt and she's leaving Pharaoh and she's taking booty and plunder with her, her lump sum. And um, literally, she's coming out of that place of bondage into a wide open place of freedom. And this home is in a little beautiful mobile home park right on the Clackamas River. It's just, it's like camping. It's out in the country and right on the river. And um, it's just very, very serene and peaceful and beautiful here. So... We kept the Passover on that Friday, and then on Monday morning, bright and early, Monday the 18th of May, we began loading up the U-Haul truck with all of the belongings from the Tiger Department. And then on Tuesday, used that same truck to load up all of the things out of my storage locker down in Silverton. So it was a basically a merging of two households into one. And we got into the new house and began to unpack. Coming back to the verses in Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. 
That's the definition of grace. Not getting what you deserve. And like I said, as I was sharing this testimony, there were times when I was out of line and when my daughter was really out of line with behavior and with words. And we did not get what we deserved. God showed incredible grace. And he blessed us in spite of ourselves. And absolutely poured out his favor and all the pieces came together. We got approved into the park. The deal closed. We got moved in and unpacked and settled. And now we have housing that is extremely affordable. And she can afford it. I can afford it. And it's it's a great location. So it's God's grace and his mercy and his blessing and his favor. And that is his nature and his character. So again, as I meditate on these verses, I think to myself, I want to have that kind of nature and character. I don't want to get angry so quickly or so easily. For example, just the other night, we were sitting in the backyard having some nachos that were takeout nachos from uh, a restaurant nearby. And I'm eating the nachos. And all of a sudden, the two and a half year old grandson, Cameron, takes his large cup of soda and tips it over right onto my nachos. And it gets all over my clothes. It was just a little small spill. And then it fell completely upside down and totally soaked my nachos and soaked my shorts that I was wearing. So now the nachos taste like soda pop. So, you know, in the old nature, our flesh, uh, the temper can rise up when something like that happens. Some of you may not have that issue, but it wasn't pleasant. So I, I just, I felt the anger smoldering and then I pushed it down and I, you know, kept it, kept a lid on it and didn't lose it. <laughs> and then, you know, the same evening, little Benji is my little sweet little dog. He's half terrier, half chihuahua. And um, Courtney, my granddaughter, who's 12, she left the door wide open and out the door Benji went and he just took off like a shot. And he is a very fast runner and he was just running all over the neighborhood. Now, I take him to the dog park and turn him loose, and he loves to run and hang out with other dogs and run, 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 and socialize and all that. But normally, he's on a leash, and he was lost, and I was very upset. I thought, am I ever going to get my dog back? I'm very, very attached to him. And again, I could feel that anger smoldering up. And I prayed and said, Lord, help me. Help me to have a proper response. Help me to be patient and kind and long-suffering and not lose it with my granddaughter for losing my dog. Well, fortunately, my daughter was able to find Benji. We looked and looked and looked, and finally she found him and caught him and brought him in the house and Basically, we had to talk to my granddaughter to say, look, you can't leave the door open. The dog will escape and he's not trained. He won't come when you call him. So we put him in his crate for a while. And 
Again, those were two little episodes, examples of when it's tempting to allow anger to rise up and to um, let the flesh over uh, take over. But instead, the goal is to be more and more like Yeshua, to be more and more like the Father. And He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He has unfailing love toward us who fear Him. And He has removed our sins as far from us as the East is from the West. And so we want to be, I want to be, more gracious, more patient, more kind, more loving. I want that nature and that character to grow in me. And so perhaps the Lord has tested me and put me in situations where I'm tested. You know, that when things like that happen, you have a choice. You can either get angry and lose your temper and say things you regret, or you can cry upon, call upon the Lord and allow His Holy Spirit to manifest and be gracious. Be kind, be forgiving, be loving. And so that's what I wanted to share today. Um, And that's my prayer for me. And I pray for all of us that we will have more and more of the nature and the character of our Father in Heaven. That we would be gracious and we would be forgiving and we would be loving and we would be kind. And we would be gentle, because those are the nat- that's the nature and the character of our Father in heaven. I bless you, Father God, and I praise you. I thank you because you have blessed me beyond anything I could ever imagine. Your favor is resting upon me and upon my family, and I thank you. It is undeserved. It is totally your grace. Your grace, and you are so good, you are so kind, you are so loving when we don't deserve it. Thank you for blessing me and my daughter and my grandkids in spite of us. And help us, Lord, to grow more and more into the likeness, into the character, into the spirit of Yeshua, our Messiah. I thank you, Father. You are so good. You are so kind. You are so loving. Thank you for orchestrating all of that. Thank you for bringing forth redemption in my daughter's life and for the redemption coming to pass on Passover. Thank you, Father, for releasing her out of an abusive marriage. And I pray blessing upon her life and favor upon her life and upon the grandchildren's lives. I thank you now in Yeshua's name. Amen. Anavilaka 
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.